Hey, everybody, it's Kiara. Hey, y'all, it's Deja. And we are going to talk about a PWI versus, versus an HBCU. Um, so Ooh. a PWI is a primarily predominantly white, white institution. institution. And an HBCU is a black, historically black college or university. So, you want to right. start or? Sure. Okay. So, guys, I live in Cleveland, Ohio. It's a city. If, uh, Not it's a city. Is, I mean, I just have to <laughs> specify this for the sake of you understanding <laughs> Distort. Okay. Especially because we don't have followers that all live in who know about Cleveland, Ohio. That's true. We do have international listeners, so that's true. (laughs) (laughs) So, Cleveland, Ohio is like a pretty big city within Ohio. Yeah. But um, a lot of people from Cleveland tend to go to Ohio University, which is in Athens, Ohio. So it's a little bit south. Uh, it's bordering near West Virginia and some parts of the Kentucky-ish area. So it's so, in Southern Ohio. Huh? Southern Ohio. Yes, it's very Southern Ohio, very rural, very um, underdeveloped. Okay. And being a city girl, <laughs> pun intended, and going to the rural country was very very different and going to a predominantly white institution i did not see very many people that looked like me um i mean there was a handful of them but the school is predominantly white hence the name and so it felt a little difficult to kind of feel comfortable to feel like I'm part of this Bobcat community. Why? I'm a mascot. I'm, um, hmm. I would feel that, I would say that like, on that campus particularly, they have a great history of being founded in 1804 and slaves built that campus. And so there is like a lot of historical context within the building, within the structure of the school that they celebrate that was based around enslaved people helping to create what we see today okay. and that was difficult having classes um where i'm in african-american studies classes and there are white students who are in the classes and they're having to learn about our history even though it's not uncomfortable for me i've been in that position where i've been the only black person in the class and all the white people are looking at me when it comes time to talk about african-americans treatment within america and okay. so being in certain dynamics, it can be a little bit difficult, especially when, you know, you're coming, you're bringing people together from every walk of life when you're in college. And that's just period, whether it be HBCU or PWI. But to live amongst people from a different culture, to live amongst people who have different beliefs, people who did who weren't raised the same way that you were, you don't know if you're sitting in class with someone who's voted for Donald Trump. Someone who's like a Republican, someone who, you know, has ideologies similar of Hitler. You never know until you actually get to work with them and interact with them. A lot of your classmates become your coworkers once you get into the real world. That's and true. having that 
that, I guess, skill set of being able to communicate cross-culturally was definitely the biggest takeaway that I got from being at a PWI. So, so you felt like you couldn't turn your black off? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I would say my example is kind of similar, but not really. I'm going to speak as far as gender. Um, I was literally in my networking class. I was one of four women, two of which were black. Mm -hmm. one was I'm going to call her Pacific Islander because I don't know what type of Asian she was. I don't want to disrespect her. I don't know what type of Asian she identified as. And Mm -hmm. one was white. Um, And for STEM students, there is a literally community, there's literally a community of STEM students and STEM professionals begging for women and minorities to join because we don't have that, not only in college, but we don't have it in the workplace, like you said, because after college, you obviously you transition into the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, um, I'm not gonna say that I felt like, and uh, like I was being outcasted as a woman. I didn't always feel that way, but I felt like a lot of the men that were there they were already in the field and they they knew what they were doing. They just were trying to get a piece of paper behind them. And so like when it came to studying, um, sometimes the men would be like, well, you should already know this. Or I don't know how to explain because I just know how to do it. Um, and for me, that was a problem. So I can understand you feeling like, hey, you know, I feel out of place here. Um, mm-hmm. Because whenever whenever you're the minority in general, it's uncomfortable because you're the other. You don't look like the other person. You don't speak the same as the other person. It's just something mm-hmm. something's just different. You're just different. Um, so I think that with not only just being a a woman, but you're the black woman. You know what I mean. And so mm-hmm. if you're somewhere. Um, if you're somewhere, especially in the Southern region, um, of America, you're definitely reminded that you're the minority. So I can understand you saying like, Hey, this is uncomfortable. But I think even if you went to an HBCU, you still would have had your differences, but at least the people, someone's there that looks like you. But if yeah. you, but there's also people that go to HBCUs that are not black. That's very true. You know, so it's how like, do you feel about that? How do okay. I feel about it personally? Yes, and I'm gonna explain why I asked you that because I saw a post okay. where this girl said, you know, for a for a person who's not black. To want to attend the HBCU, that means a spot was given up for a black person in order for you to be able to attend. Mm-hmm. And I understand what the girl is saying. However, do you feel that we've gotten to a point where as long as you're getting the education 
it shouldn't matter? Or do you feel like there should be like some type of of pride and precedence to having your HBCU degree? I'm gonna answer this two ways. Okay. I think that if you want to go to a college, if you meet their requirements, you should be able to go. If you're able to afford it and you meet their requirements, go. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like should there be a certain pride as a Anglo person or Hispanic <laughs> or other person, non-Black identifying person going to mm-hmm. HBCU? Absolutely, because I think for people like that, it's going to give them some culture. Um, because mm-hmm. I always say that I don't believe that Anglo-Saxon people have culture other than terror. Um, I, I think that as a non-Black identifying person, if you go to a Black college or university, um, I think that you have a, you have a different appreciation for Black people because you're seeing firsthand, you're going to homecoming, you're going to the step shows, you see the frats mm-hmm. and the sororities, you see the struggles that HBCUs have, um, especially, especially, especially with funding that's a huge problem but on the other hand because i have friends here that have bachelor's and master's degrees and they have lucrative careers but when they go when they were looking to leave their place of employment to go elsewhere it's taken them a year or two years to find employment simply based on the fact that they went to a hbcu in their opinion They've told me that they feel like they've had issues with with getting other employment based on the fact that they went to an HBCU versus them going to a local university or an Ivy League. Okay, Okay. so um, one of the men that I um, that I'm familiar with, he went to NCAT. Right. And he has um, a mathematics degree. He's a STEM. Uh, was a STEM student. He has a mathematics degree and he has a very lucrative job for a, um, for a federal, for a part of the federal government. And so he's not worried about anything, but he told me, you know, basically, you know, I was able to get my job because I'm in a frat. So when I needed something, I knew somebody that I could call, you know, who put in a word for me, I'm able to do X, Y, and Z. So sometimes, and that, and sometimes it's not what you know, it's who you know. And we know, we know with Anglo-Saxon people that they can call their father or they can call whomever, okay? And they can pass a class because they have a connection. Okay. Get something dropped off their records. And absolutely, absolutely. So it's it can be it can be an unleveled playing field. I'm just I'm just being honest. So I think yeah. it, it just depends on the person. If you're someone that's like, hey, you know, I'm not prejudiced. I love black people. I love black culture. Everybody loves black culture because look at TikTok. Look at look at what got us through the pandemic was black people on TikTok doing dance challenges. Everybody picked that up and started doing that. And then it got to the point where people were like, white people were doing something called black fishing. So if you're someone that has a- Wait, excuse me, what? 
girl, yes, it's black fishing. Yes, where white people, like the Kardashians, white people who spray tan and wear braids and date black men or black women specifically and try to imitate their look or try to imitate their culture to appear to be black, even though they are not black. That is called black fishing. Yes. Oh, so those are yes. culture vultures. Well, that well, the, is it is it, different than that though because it's not okay. for it's not for profit. It's just what they like to do. Okay. They just want to appear ethnic, even though they are not. So, oh, so these are the Rachel Dolezals of the world. Yes, black fishing. So. Okay. So I think if you're someone who loves like Rachel, she loves black people. She loves black culture. She literally is transracial. She identifies as a black woman. So Mm -hmm. for me, people who are like that, of course you should go to an HBCU because that's where you feel at home. But Mm -hmm. as a, as a ethnic person, I'm not just going to say black as an ethnic person going to a white institution can be uncomfortable. And for me, that's one of the reasons that I did not choose to go to a larger scale university. Um, there's mm-hmm. a school here locally. It's my dream college. I know I can get in. They've invited me in. Um, they've they've offered me a number of things in order to attend this school as a minority black female in technology. But I just don't want to be there because I don't want to. I don't want to have the debt, and also because it's not an HBCU. If the HBCU mm-hmm. would have offered me the same scholarship that this major university is offering me, I would have ran. Because that's what I wanted to do. But I just don't, I don't want the issues that student loans come with. And I also don't want to deal with the disappointment and funding that HBCUs come with. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's discouraging as a young Black student who wants to be immersed in their culture. Mm-hmm. and enjoy themselves amongst their peers, but can't when funding is an issue. But when they go to a school that's probably five blocks away, that's a white school, they can get accepted. But see, they can get funding, they can get scholarships. But see, and that's another thing, college is a business. So if you leave, for example, let's just use, let's just use Cleveland as an example. If I if I would have chose to leave Houston and come back home to Cleveland to go, let's say I wanted to be a nurse, and the most one of the most prestigious medical schools in the in the world is uh, in Cleveland, and people study to go to Cleveland Clinic. Mm. So let's say. Let's say it was my dream to be an emergency room nurse, an ER nurse. Mm. Okay, great. I got into Cleveland Clinic. What's next? Okay, so, and then especially with Cleveland going through gentrification right now, um, and that's another thing that HBCUs face as well. HBCUs face an issue with gentrification. Um, Speaking locally, TSU, that's where Meg The Stallion goes. She's about to graduate. She goes to TSU. TSU is in the third ward of Houston, Texas, and the students there cannot afford their tuition and they cannot afford room and board um, because everything over there is now a townhome. 
So yeah. it's the same thing that's happening in Cleveland. If I go, if I if I left here to go to Cleveland, come back home to Cleveland, where Cleveland, you can literally get a place, you can get a house for a dollar at the auction. You can get a home for ten thousand dollars cash. You can get a two family, and and so that's what I'm expecting as someone who grew up there. But coming back home, I see that the area is gentrified now where the townhomes are $500,000, no one's going to be able to afford that. Students cannot afford that unless they're trust fund babies. Right. Let's just be honest. That's not, there's no one making that type of salary straight out of college. No. So now you have to worry about student loans. Until you graduate or have the experience. Absolutely. And how are you going to get the job if you don't have the experience? When you first get your job straight out of college, you're not going to be making $90,000. You're not going to be making six figures. That's unrealistic. Unless you're one of those people that can call dad or call mom and have them write a letter of recommendation because they know you're going to get in. But how many of us have that? In, in our pocket. A lot of us don't have that. It is harder for a lot of us to even get through the gate of being accepted for college and then coming up with the money to go to college. I definitely agree with that as well. So I don't know, Deja. I think that to answer your question, I think that school is a business and you have to be prepared no matter what school you go to you either you're you either have or you have not it's that simple yeah that's very true is that can we address this college rumor that if you are black and you go to a pwi that you're not really black okay so somebody actually argued with me on twitter about that because I was like, well, people from HBCUs complain all the time that they can't find work. And this woman wrote me and was like, well, what about the black people that go to a PWI? You can't find a job. Let me explain something. Okay. If you are a black person that goes to an Ivy League college, we have one here. We have Rice University, one of the top business schools in the country. A lot of times people will get jobs based on the school that they went to. You never, I have never seen a person that went to Harvard not explain on their resume that they went to Harvard. (laughs) And really, you don't even have to be smart to get into Harvard. You just have to be able to afford it. Right. Okay. So if you go to any Ivy League, it's going to boil down to dollars and cents. And we had an issue here in Houston at Rice University where the black students who are able to go there were saying that they don't want to be there. They don't, they feel that they should get certain privileges being black students there because it's the same thing that you said. A slave built the school. Why do I have to walk around on this campus that I pay dollars $40,000 a year for and there's a statue of a white slave owner next to the ethnic library? I didn't even know this school had a black library or had a black section in general. I didn't find that out until the Black Lives Matter protest and it was and everything with George Floyd was going on. So anything involving George Floyd because he was a Houstonian, that was media here. So and Rice literally said, Well, we're not moving the statue. We're not wow. removing it. 
So to me, as a black person, that sounds like, well, kiss my ass. Whether you go here, whether you're giving us your student loans, your alumni giving your scholarship money to us or not, kiss my ass. Because yeah, a slave built it, but you're not a slave, so get over it. So how can you defend your blackness going to a PWI with something like that? Not saying right. that as a black student, you should feel guilty for going to an elite college or university. You should never apologize for being book smart. But for me, when I heard that, if I was a student at Rice, I would have took my ass out of that school and taken my scholarship and my money somewhere else. And when I graduate, when you call me to ask for my alumni dollars or to ask for donations or that I come to certain galas to do certain things mm -hmm. for the community, no, I'm not coming because kiss my ass. Isn't that what right. you told me when I told you to remove that statue? Exactly. A lot of PWIs can tend to be insensitive due to the school's history. And so as a black person, it can be difficult to to feel accepted on campus, especially when you're in like such a southern area. I mean, this but is I don't know, Deja, because for me, where people still have budgets. People still but have I, I don't know because and I can't tell you how to feel but for me I wasn't looking for a social life in college I wasn't looking for friends I wasn't looking for acceptance or to be in a certain group or sorority mm -hmm. whatever I didn't care about that I just wanted my degree and I wanted to leave I I excelled in school but I hated school to me school was yeah. like working at a miserable job because to me school is like something you just can't get out of you just have to do it so I understand from your perspective, you wanted to have, you you know, you had to be there for four years. So you wanted to make the best out of it. You wanted to have a social life. I get that. But for me, it was like, I have my friends. I'm not looking for this. I just want my piece of paper so I can start my business and move on or so I can go to the workforce and move on. But I understand that's not everybody's reality. So I can understand yeah. you saying, hey, I don't feel accepted here. I feel uncomfortable here because the school is haunted or isn't OU haunted or something? It is. OU is one of the campuses right. where they had an insane asylum on campus up until like the 1980s. And so they would have mental health patients. And back in the day, like in the early 1900s, they would have black people there, gay people there, immigrants there, people who weren't of the WASP, the white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. Well, we don't have enough time to go into, we don't have enough time to go into what it means to be a desirable white person because this is not a history class. We just don't have time for that. Yeah. But what I do think is it's definitely fair for you to say, hey, if I'm going to be going here and paying for this, I need my, my opinion, my voice needs to matter. But the bottom line is the bottom line. These, yeah. these businesses, these schools don't give a damn about anyone. They care about their bottom line. Do you have the money for this semester or not? Right. If you want to make yourself heard, then go join student government. Join the student council. Go vote on it. Whatever. Run for student vice president. Do what you need to do. Cause I, and then, honestly, people don't take that seriously either, Deja. No, they don't. They don't vote with student council. They don't vote for... Things like, it's like nobody gives a damn about politics until whatever is going on in politics affects them, and and politics right. affects everything. It affects healthcare, education, 
It affects everything, where you live, your taxes, everything. Mm-hmm. So if so, if people don't care about it, or if there's someone in the background, and that's another thing, if somebody's in the background who just has too much power, who's going to go with the status quo, which is going to most likely be an old Anglo-Saxon male, if he's mm-hmm. somewhere in the background, he's not going to give a damn about what, what the minority a class, body of students is talking about right. until it becomes negative publicity. That's when that's when these schools and these businesses give a damn is when it becomes bad for business. Absolutely. I would just like to leave off on one note. Financial aid is terrible at any school you go to. PWIs, <laughs> HBCU, community college, online school. Yeah, it definitely is. And I, I was supposed to do an episode um, with, I'm going to name drop on this one, with the University of Houston, okay? I was supposed to do an episode <laughs> on University of Houston, Victoria campus, and Victoria, excuse me, and University of Houston downtown, because I have a major bone to pick with the both of them. Oh. Yes, I'm upset with both campuses, okay? Extremely. Do better. If someone is listening from any University of Houston chapter, do better. Do better. Because I have receipts. Do better. And I'm not even a part of their student body. Do better. And Kia has spoken on that one. Yes. And I will continue to speak because this is this is my platform and people need to be aware of what they're getting into when they are getting ready to transition into college. You don't have to go to college. You can go to trade school. You can get it out the mud. You can have a non-traditional career. You could be an artist, a YouTuber. You don't have to go to school and have a nine to five. You could literally say, fuck it, I'm going to be a superstar on TikTok and make more money than the average person going to work. So these schools need to be very, very, very careful, especially in the social media age, because all it takes is for one thing to hit the media and it goes viral. I'm just saying. So you're right. The financial aid thing, financial aid is a mess. But I think that I think that the government makes it a mess because you want to go to school and better yourself. Will you pay for it? And, and they're going to get you one way or another. You you know, if you don't suppose you die and you have a settlement of some money or a trust fund or something like that and you die and you still have outstanding student loans, the government is going to come and collect. So I hear people all the time, well, I'm not paying my loans back. I'm just going to keep going to school. I'm going to defer my loan. No, you're not. I don't care what you have. You could have property. You could have a car. You could have whatever. If you die today and the government comes and collects it, everything has value. Something has value. Okay? So be very mindful of what you're doing when you take out these loans. And not just that. If you're going to take out the loans and things of that nature, actually go to class. Yeah. Don't just take the money and waste it on whatever because you know you got to pay it back. And if you don't have the money to pay it back and you're tricking the money off and you're failing your classes, now you're not going to get any assistance for school because you couldn't handle it the first time. The government's not going to give you anything. You got to pay it back in order to to prove that you're worthy. So why even put yourself through that when you can just do the right thing the first time? Just get it over with. 
So I guess that's our episode today on PWRs versus versus HBCUs. But I will definitely continue to monitor and see what's going on, especially with that situation with Rice University. Rice, do better. Do better because I'm not even a student of you all's either. And that's just trifling. Rice University, do better. Rice University Business School, do better. Do better. Because guess what? If there's no student body coming to your campus, then that means you're not getting any funding. So be very careful. Do better. And you really don't want to piss one of these students off who might have some who might have some tea somewhere. And then they send a letter, an anonymous letter to the federal government asking that you get stripped of your accreditation. Yep. Rice University, do better. 